Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. And now let's take a look at the five very inspiring women who are this year's nominees for best whoops performance by an actress in a leading role. You didn't even mess up. I I just, I said best, I wasn't supposed to. Sally Hawkins, The Shape of Water. (laughs) Frances McDormand, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Margot Robbie, I, Tanya. Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird. Meryl Streep, The Post. And the Oscar goes to... Frances McDormand, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. I'm Kyle Browning, your host, and today we're going to be talking about the 2018 ceremony year win for Frances McDormand. This was her second of three lead actress Oscars for the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And uh, today I am joined by uh, a a friend, a previous guest that was on the podcast. He's a personal trainer. He's a movie producer. It's Rob Brown. Hi, Rob. Hey, Kyle. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. How's the lockdown going? (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, I'm actually going like uh, completely fucking insane Mm. because uh, I live in a one-bedroom apartment with uh, my boyfriend who is working from home and is on meetings all day oh boy so we are currently on the hunt for a new apartment living situation to accommodate that hey and uh i haven't been working all month because of the lockdowns and restrictions in canada and in ontario and frankly i'm just going fucking crazy yep i oh. think uh hopefully it's all over soon but i think we said that a year and a half ago as well so <laughs> and now the restrictions are lifted. Hopefully things will get better. Yes. Hopefully. Optimistic. Um, okay. So 2018 ceremony year, uh, best picture went to the shape of water. Best actor went to Gary Oldman for, uh, the darkest hour. I have never seen that movie. Me neither. Uh, best supporting actor went to Sam Rockwell for three billboards. Best supporting actress went to Allison Janney for I, Tonya. Although I always want to call it Itonia. It's uh, the yeah, way that... It's T-O-N. Yeah, I know. I always want to call it Itonia. <laughs> and Best Director went to Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. And I'm really excited to talk about that movie. Uh, and I'm really excited to get to that. Um, before we jump in to all of that. So the last episode that you were on, we were discussing Octavia Spencer. Yes. You had an autographed picture <laughs> of Octavia Spencer. That's right. She was nominated this year for The Shape of Water. Yeah. So... This is why, you know, I'm excited to talk to you about it because clearly there's like a repeating theme going on here. <laughs> well, I didn't choose Allison Janney because then I would be excited to talk about Octavia. Uh, but I went, uh, because I believe you already did that episode, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't have you done, done Allison oh, Janney. Oh, you no. have not. Okay. No, not yeah. yet. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, you and I were messaging while we were watching these films. I totally forgot that Octavia was nominated for this because I got it mixed up because she was nominated for Hidden Figures, which I believe was the year before mm-hmm. or the year after. Mm-hmm. And then this one, side supporting character as well she was up for it which was like okay cool there she She is she described this role in the shape of water as a combination of hidden figures and the help of like the role that she was playing in this movie but the main reason why she wanted to do it was just because it was guillermo del toro and she literally said like if you want me to play a desk i'll do it because i just want to work with you he's great um but again we will jump into that so um we have five nominees and the first one that we're going to talk about and i'm excited to hear your take on this because i know that you watched this one today i know that you were dragging your feet (laughs) and i'm actually very curious why because this movie i actually enjoyed it the second time around so let's talk about meryl streep in the post well it's actually really funny that you do say that because i saw this movie in theaters and i for the last four or five years i felt the same way i'm like oh like why was this like why does this movie exist right. it's it's rushed right. uh, but watching it again today like what you just said with your second time i actually liked it a little more maybe who i was in 2017 i feel a little different now yeah like i know as well like um like the timing because i know spielberg did rush uh, the production of this and it was out of 2017 around the time where like Trump didn't like journalists either. That whole like fake news thing came up and now we hear that everywhere. And also around the Me Too era and you have um, like Meryl Streep's character. Is it Megan, uh, Margaret Graham? Is that her name? 
in the in the post. Oh, in the post. Oh, uh, she is uh, Megan Graham. The K Graham. K Graham. Gotcha. Yeah. Like the head of this of the Washington Post and all these men at this time in this era. Like wow, like this woman is telling us to do. She's standing firm. So I think at the timing was you know like we have the me too thing with this woman in power and then we also have like uh, with the trump thing also at the same time 2017 hating journalism mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean the timing of it is right i mean me too is more about like obviously sexual mm-hmm. harassment in the workplace but yes in terms of like the a, a strong feminist movement obviously during the 60s and 70s that was a big part with vietnam and stuff so this movie specifically is a cover-up spending four u.s presidents that pushes the country's first female newspaper publisher meryl streep and her editor, uh, Tom Hanks, to join an unprecedented battle between press and government. Ooh. I'm reading this off of IMDb because I keep <laughs> trying to do these recaps while I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. Like, Why don't I just read it off? I feel yeah. like this is easier than me grasping yeah. at straws. It's here. about a newspaper or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so Meryl Streep, yes, she plays uh, Kay Graham. And the first time that I saw this movie, I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking bored. But I think it was because the subject matter... You have to be prepared for it and you have to be like, okay, I'm about to watch uh, kind of, let's be honest, kind of a boring movie. It's a movie about journalism. Yeah. 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 And if you're into that, like Spotlight, for example. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's like, it's actually really, really interesting. And for this podcast, I enjoyed it much more this time around than the first time I watched it where I was like, oh, Meryl Streep, I love her. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Right? So this this one I actually really liked a lot. So... um. It is sort of like interesting the way that her character gets to navigate the role of being a woman in charge during the 60s. And then you have um, uh, you have uh, Bradley Whitford, who yeah. always just is like this slimy character. Yeah, the like dad from Get Out. Old. <laughs> yeah, like always. The dad from Get Out. Yeah, yeah. he's always just an ass. And uh, in this, it's like she's all, he's always speaking over her. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of nice to see whenever she stands up to him. And you sort of see this gradual change in her character where she has confidence in herself, but also confidence in her decisions. And this is another side of her playing the head of a publication, yeah. a.k.a. Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada. And Boom. I'm thinking maybe this was Mar- uh, Miranda Priestly's origin story and she just never <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. And- just stuck around. <laughs> exactly. No, because I, uh, like, again, Spielberg with the Oscars, I feel like he just gets, like... Favorited, of course, like when he does like biopic type films, like a couple years prior to this was Bridge of Spies, which I still haven't seen, but I remember being like political kind of war drama, true story, Tom Hanks. And then it was like up for best picture. And then this one a few years later, political story, Tom Hanks. It looked so Oscar baity almost, whereas like Meryl Streep, uh, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, and I think I forget. I think it was Tina Fey and Amy Poehler that were hosting the Golden Globes that year. Ooh, yeah. And uh, I think they mentioned like, oh, this, you know, like the post comes out with uh, with these three, and then some like roadie brought out all the Golden Globes right at once, and then Tina Fey's like, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Like we gotta wait. Like we gotta wait to see what happens. Meaning like, <laughs> like seeing the like those three big names, it's like a, almost like a guarantee. But yeah, I enjoyed it the second time around that I watched it. I thought Meryl Streep uh, was playing Meryl Streep. Um, I I saw Meryl Streep there, I mean, as as a differently than I would see like a Devil Wears Prada or even the Margaret Thatcher one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is because Meryl Streep has been celebrated for her her range and her diversity of characters. At this point, they're all kind of starting to blend together a mm, little bit. Gotcha. So this one, I feel like, is she was a bit meek, a bit shy, but she eventually like had to stand by her decision uh and it's sort of interesting seeing her do that i think the way that i'm looking at it is like well when she was the head of runway in the devil wears products mm-hmm. like she was a ball buster she was very monotonous very quiet but very firm yeah and like this is a obviously like a different approach to being yeah. like a woman during the 60s and being the head of a publication so i feel like with streep and I feel like, unfortunately for her, this is probably why she doesn't have as many Oscars as she might want, is because everything that she does, it's not compared to the other nominees that year. It's compared to all of her other performances. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is kind of one of them because I didn't really appreciate the performance the first time I saw it, but this time around, I'm like, oh. Yes. Like, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why she was nominated. Yeah. Um, because the significance of also the storyline is also 
having a separation between um, the politicians and the the reporters and the press because mm-hmm. I guess it was so incestuous before that they always wanted to protect the politicians yeah. and the cover-ups and things like this because they were all friends. And then Meryl Streep's character decides to change that and yep. she basically risks her life and jail time and things like that mm-hmm. and there's a lot of courage in her character um and i think she balances the uh fear that she clearly is experiencing of her decision but also her integrity of standing by it yeah for journalism yeah like for it yeah exactly it's for the integrity of, of of the press and everything like that i mean i i think that uh overall um great street performance but not one of her greatest mm-hmm. like like even with devil wears prada she's the head of the um of runway but she's used to all these like other women that work for her like just kissing her ass all the time bringing mm-hmm. the steak you know changing their shoes when she gets out of the elevator and everything mm-hmm. and in this performance when she's the head of it she's she's now around men who are used to at that time talking down to women like more of like a mansplain, like we can walk over all these women, all the women that we want because of who we are. Yeah. And then it's just like straight wall, like boom, like brick wall. No, like you're not doing that to me, like Meryl Streep. And I love that line that she has to, I think it was to Bradley Winford, where it's like, I'm not my father and I'm not my husband. Yeah. Right. Like this is me. This is not their company. This is mine now. This is mine. Right. Company. Yeah. I thought that was great. I love at the beginning, why well, like love hate at the beginning whenever uh, like Bradley Whitford is essentially just talking down to her the whole time being like, well, it's a woman in power and blah, blah, blah. And like, of course, for the time that was a big deal. And then she, you can see has to swallow all of her rage and she goes, thank you for your frankness. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, again, like I'm comparing it to, uh, I realize it's a two different performances and two different movies, but in uh, where she's playing Miranda Priestly, she would just kind of just calmly and authoritatively tell you to fuck off. Mm-hmm. But like in this, she just has to go along with it because yeah. that's, how it was during it that was. time. Yeah. And um, it's like, you know, watching that, that she's going to eventually have her, I'm going to stand up to you moment. Yeah. And she does have it. Yep. And it's not this big moment, but nope. it's the, it's a big moment for the character. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly not like a big Oscar iconic, clip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it, and it didn't have to be because of who that character is, even in real life. Like if she went over the top, like yelling, it's like, hmm. Would uh, would Kay Graham even do that? But I think Meryl Streep like hit that character well. But it's like what you just said. It's not the greatest Meryl Streep performance that I've ever seen right. in my life. She's right. still great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, well, she certainly yeah. holds her own like with these nominees. Yes, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it, like it's Meryl Streep, and also. I always find it very interesting whenever an actor can take, like, let's be frank, like, really boring material and, like, make it watchable and make it interesting. Yeah, and I enjoyed it, like, uh, like watching that this afternoon for sure. I think so, too. I think the first time that I watched this movie, I was just like, well, but, um, you know, I think that, uh, uh, okay, so talking about the way that this movie was done, I don't really have a ton of facts about this movie and I didn't have a ton of facts about the films this year because I didn't really find them that interesting but one thing that I did find interesting was that uh, Meryl Streep was like shocked that um, Steven Spielberg like never rehearsed with his actors beforehand Mm. and she wasn't really used to that sort of process and I didn't know that that was his process he does uh, rush things like he does now he does have an incredible crew with him everyone's doing their job but he shoots fast like even west side story that came out in 2021 mm. uh he he shot that pretty fast and i know like um sorry what, what when he shot west side story yeah in right, 2021. right. <laughs> ready player one came out in 2018 yeah that was all done shooting and then he just jumped on the post right away and almost rushed it so i didn't know that that meryl streep was kind of surprised like oh this is how Spielberg works because I guess if we think about it, they've never worked uh, together. Like Tom Hanks is one of his main his go boys, but yeah, this yeah. is yeah. And that's the thing is, um, they never worked together. Apparently, he was like praising her like after every single scene, nice. which frankly, to be a cast member in that would be so fucking annoying. Just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we get it, like yeah. you're great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess that's what it's like to work with Meryl Streep. Mm. Um, I'm just trying. I'm just like flipping through some of the facts here, and I'm just trying to see if there's anything that is particularly worth mentioning. It's not usually about... The fruit on the table was fake fruit, not real fruit. <laughs> well, just a lot of the facts about this movie yeah. were specifically about the time period, not necessarily mm. about, like... Maryland. Yeah, so this is pre-Watergate. This is this is, this is is around the Nixon era. And that's how and, it finished, And right? I think that uh, Washington Post is still, is still banned from the White House, if I'm not mistaken, 
They oh, can't really? go in and ask questions. Because, you know, after the movie, how they have that font, like the true story. Did you know that Facebook now has a million users in the social network? It's, uh, yeah, the Washington Post is still banned from the White House. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, um, having watched this movie a second time around, I definitely appreciated it way more. I think that Meryl Streep did a lot of justice to the role. Um, you're certainly rooting for her. She does make it interesting. Not one of my favorite performances of hers, but, like, definitely, definitely... Uh, worth watching. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on? Uh, no, that's all. Yeah, I think I got it. Okay. Let us talk about one of my favorite actresses in the whole world, uh, Thersha Ronan for oh, the movie boy. Lady Bird. So she's um, uh, American in this one. Yeah. Uh, I... I always am hypercritical of people that do accents in movies um, because I do a lot of accents in my comedy. And with Sir Ronan and most people that come from the UK or Ireland, I find that when they do an American accent, they really lower yeah. their voice and overpronounce their words. Gotcha. And uh, I think Sir Ronan had a little... A few moments like that, but overall, I think that she nailed it. Yes. Just the the accent specifically. I think that this... It's so interesting, my feelings toward this movie, because I think that this is one of Saoirse Ronan's best, but it's not one of my favorites. Mm. So so what's the movie about? So the movie... (laughs) Thank you. What's Lady Bird about? uh, Is about... uh, In 2002, an artistically inclined inclined 17-year-old girl comes of age in Sacramento, California. Mm. And wackiness ensues with Laurie Metcalf and Timothée Chalamet, who is in Who is everywhere. Yes. Yes. He was in Call Me By Your Name that year. He was in some other independent film. It's like Lucas Hedges, and we'll get to him soon later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Timothée Chalamet was just popping up. But yeah. I thought, uh, but I thought, like, I think that if you don't know who Sharice Ronan is and you haven't seen any of her other work or heard her in interviews to see where she actually is from, like, you'd watch this movie and be like, yeah, that's an, like an American actress. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. nitpicking because I'm familiar with her other work. Yeah. But I think that Sir Ronan was the, le- the right choice for this part. And, um, you know, so Lady Bird is what she wants to be called. And Lady Bird is also uh, representative of, like, her immature attitude Mm -hmm. toward herself and toward life. And then sort of, like, at the end of the movie, what was her name? Christine or something? I I think we find that out. Yeah, so she goes to a Catholic school, which is very uniform very like strict rules you, your uniform has to be tucked in over here but skirt can't be like this and and she's just i've changed my name it's like well who sorry who calls you ladybirds like well it's my name and i gave it to myself so it's my given name by me yeah <laughs> it's like that's it so everyone just calls her that of course and yeah it's about adolescence um uh, her friends making friends falling in love falling out in love um, I find that her character, drama with friends, yeah. But I find that what what works so well for her character in this movie is just how immature and self centered she is. Yeah, the movie wouldn't really work otherwise because I I assume that a, that would resonate with most people that probably either grew up during that time or is of that age or maybe recognizes that in their own behavior when they were coming of age or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that Saoirse Ronan's so fucking good at doing these chameleon type roles because even though she's just this bratty teenager from uh sacramento Sacramento. california she's also uh hannah remember that like action movie yeah i love that movie she's in the movie like brooklyn yep and And little women and yeah it's like she has this insane like borderline like meryl streep kind of range and i think that this role if you didn't know that she was american you'd probably think like oh but then, like, when you find out, no, she's actually Irish, and she has, like, a thick Irish yeah. accent, you'd be like, oh, wow, like, that's so much more impressive. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought she was very good in this. Like, the relationship that she has with her mom is fantastic. And Lori it's, Metcalf. It, yeah, Lori Metcalf. Yeah. Roseanne. She, if she won supporting, <laughs> like, if she won the supporting Oscar, I don't think I would, like, no. be too concerned about that. I think with her and Allison J.D., I think uh, it was a tight race. Uh, But yeah, Laurie Metcalf, every, like, they're constantly arguing, and it's a very good mother-daughter relationship because I think a lot of folks can relate, like, Mm -hmm. to mother-daughter relationships, and you're always bickering, especially in that adolescence age of woman, like, your body's changing, you're in high school, your hormones are going crazy, there's boys, there's friends, there's, you want to be yourself and but obviously at the end of the day your mom usually knows best because she's been there right and it's just this this butting heads the whole thing until the end where 
there is some some good acceptance and the mom doesn't want to say goodbye to um to lady bird when she leaves and then this breakdown moment the mom does a u-turn and 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 runs into the airport and tries to find her and and say goodbye for real yeah but she's already on the runway so yeah i thought uh thought the dynamic between the two were great it was great casting between the two i think their chemistry was fantastic bouncing off each other yeah and at the beginning of the movie they're listening to what the grapes of wrath or something yeah they're like love it or of mice and i can't remember what. and then there was like dave matthews crash into me yeah like 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 the whole movie everything's good at first and then they immediately she throws herself out of the car Mm -hmm. and she breaks her arm and then um obviously that broken arm is representative of like her impulsive immature behavior and that kind of stays with her the whole movie until the end um i think that uh her best scenes are with her mother in the thrift store yes those are some of when they're looking for a dress very a lot of passive aggressive fighting Mm -hmm. they'll be going back and forth then she finds something that she likes and goes, oh, what about this? She goes, oh, I like that. Exactly. And if you have siblings as well, like you could be f- like fighting, fighting, fighting. And then the second like a parent walks in, it's just like, boom, we're in love with each other. Like, like we're back to being like lovey, yeah. lovey with each other. Yeah. So I remember that, that back and forth in the thrift scene. And then, oh yeah, here we are. And then boom, it cuts to a new scene. Well, absolutely. And, and I, I think every, almost every scene ends like that. Like when they are bickering, it's ended with like a good, like a love moment between. I love the, the way that sort of Greta Gerwig is, is demonstrating that like. The writer director. Uh, the writer director yeah. that she is demonstrating that like, you know, uh, female relationships that are directed by women are much more realistic. Yeah. They're directed by women. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can always sort of tell whenever like women's characters and roles are being directed by like men that are yeah. like, uh, this is my idea. This yeah. is what I think happens. Always like hypersexualized. <laughs> yeah. Always like whatever they do, yeah. it's always like to lift up the men in the storyline where like in this, it's like it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. And frankly, it's just very refreshing. Yeah. Especially like um, to have uh, a, like just, just this sort of storyline because, you know, I knew a lot of mother-daughter relationships that yeah. were like this. You don't really see that a lot in movies. So mm-hmm. it, I love the way that Greta Gerwig chose to do this movie and it's like... I think like loosely supposed to be based on Yeah, so her she's life. from Sacramento, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she and there's no movies about Sacramento. There's always like New York, New York and I love LA, but there wasn't any that are about <laughs> Sacramento cuz like why right. would there be kind of thing? Right. So she wanted even in uh, in Lady Bird, she has an assignment has to write about something that she loves or appreciates. Yeah. And she writes about the town and how much she loves it. Um another favorite moment is when she walks in on Danny, her boyfriend like making out with that guy and she's oh. like, "Oh my god." And then she like, <laughs> yeah. runs out of the bathroom and yeah. he's like sort of freaking out. I mean, he's <laughs> a theater student. What do you expect, yes, right? Well, but, you know. It's it's interesting the way that this movie is sort of a comedy. It's um, not like a setup punch comedy. It's no. more like through these situations that are kind of funny. And I, Greta Gerwig does a great job with that, with the editing, with the directing, how how to cut on a good line. Yeah, like your your mom's boobs are fake. She made one wrong mistake when she was nineteen. Two wrong mistakes when she was nineteen. <laughs> yeah. And then it just like cut. You know, like we're not waiting for a laugh, laugh. It's yeah. just like a cut to a new thing. And yeah. the audience thinks that that's funny. I really like yeah. the way that her character is navigating her way through different friend groups where she's mm-hmm. with the theater kids and then she kind of goes to like the popular kids. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, she ends up just being like with her best friend. Yeah. And that's kind of where she She's lands. great too, the friend. She was in Booksmart. I remember liking her in Booksmart. Um, yeah. She was in uh, Neighbors 2. Uh, uh, Amy Feldstein. Yes. Okay, that's it. She. She's good. She was great in this movie, yeah. and I. I feel like a, I related to that. Those sort of navigating different social groups because, like, when I was in high school, like, I wasn't part of the, the cool kids. I wasn't part of like the band geeks. I wasn't part of like. I just kind of was like a, you know, I just was on my own. You know, yeah. I was, and and uh, I never really fit in with any kind of mm-hmm. social group. I was kind of just did my own thing. And I didn't realize then at that point in my life that like, that's just who I am and there's nothing wrong with that. I always thought that I had to kind of, so it was sort of nice, sort of her getting to know different groups and then realizing like why they're maybe garbage people and how something that she wanted out of them for like status, for example, uh, really was not what she wanted. And it's just, you know, it's a coming of age story. So it's like, you're yeah. going to see her try things and then there's going to be setbacks. Mm-hmm. And I think that no she doubt. navigates that very well. Um, very well. And yeah, I really, I really like this movie. It was good. 
Um, but not one of my favorite lady. Uh, not one of my favorite Saoirse Ronan. I think Hannah's still my favorite. I know. I, I haven't seen Brooklyn. If I'm being honest, I saw Little Women in theaters, but Brooklyn I can only is think like of those. my favorite fucking movie. Yeah, you need I gotta to watch, watch it. it. I think it's on. I think CBC I think channel. seven people have seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know anyone that's seen it. Oh, it's it's. Well, but maybe, it's a, but it's about immigration, right? Like she yeah. comes from Ireland to New York, and yeah, yeah it's about yeah. Easily her. I best do gotta performance. watch it. So Easily her best too. performance, in my opinion. And, and I definitely recommend. Lady Bird folks if you haven't seen it I also like whenever she talks back to people uh, whenever <laughs> she's like uh, that the woman because it's a Catholic school is talking about how abortion's bad yeah and then she basically was like well maybe if your mom <laughs> had an abortion we wouldn't have to sit through this assembly <laughs> oh boy and then she's like and then it's like <laughs> and then it just cuts to Lori Metcalf you got suspended again yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah no shit but like Greta Gerwig she wrote that film Francis Ha I don't know if you saw that Kyle directed I've by I've never uh, seen that movie Noah Baumbach it's black and white uh, Greta Gerwig stars in it as well but it's also a college student coming of age like broke student this is me navigating life so then when she wrote Lady Bird it's like yeah she knows the girl life and how to write it well in these characters absolutely so this movie was temp- it temporarily broke the record uh, Toy Story that was held by Toy Story 2 right. for the best reviewed movie of all time until wow. it got to about 100 or 101 reviews and then somebody gave it like a one star Jeez, I, because they're like <laughs> I don't like it I, I hate <laughs> online reviews yeah. I hate them just a cesspool of garbage people with garbage there's opinions. no guns man yeah there's that's that's basically what online reviews are is like people who the movie was not intended for no it wasn't complaining that the movie wasn't yeah, for yeah it's them. written directed by women produced by women starring a female story and yeah. you're gonna have like my dad you're like uh well you know <laughs> one star the working title of the film was Mothers and Daughters. I pre- much prefer Lady Bird. Me too. Uh, Greta Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan met at the Toronto Film Festival, and uh, Saoirse Ronan had already read the script, and that's Ooh. why she wanted to discuss it with her. That's great. So somebody did her homework. Uh, and according to Saoirse Ronan, in an American <laughs> accent, the hardest word to pronounce is the word perfect, because when Irish people perfect. pronounce it, it's perfect. Perfect. So it's perfect. Yeah, super perfect. perfect up in there, eh? Um, and, uh, oh, she has acne in the movie because she was doing some like Broadway play or some stage performance. And I guess that because of all the makeup, she had acne on her face and the director and the makeup person felt that it would be appropriate for her age group to have acne on her face. So they left whatever she had and they like added more. And apparently that was like super groundbreaking to actually have like a yeah, <laughs> is it really to have like a movie. That's true. I haven't seen a lot of teen movies. They're all like perfect, like exactly. skin, like yeah. yeah. So like the Breakfast Club, like Breakfast Club. Everybody's well fed and white yeah. and gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. This is the nineties, eighties. Um, I think for me though, this whole performance, the best moment uh, Saoirse Ronan Lady Bird has is the monologue at the very end when she leaves the voicemail. Where mm. she starts to realize that maybe she was being a dumb bitch a little yeah. bit whenever she was younger, as we all were. We all grew up. And, uh, you know, you see the realization of how she's grown as a person yeah. and how she, you know, says she calls herself Christine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that little call that she makes, because I also went away for college, like I moved away from home for college. It's like that moment is familiar to me yes and uh, it always makes me very emotional whenever mm. i've seen the movie twice and each time it's made me emotional yeah. so i think for me that was like my favorite moment from her in this in this film very good um okay so do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move for on lady bird no that's great i'm glad that they stuck with lady bird and not daughters and mothers or whatever <laughs> whatever that was yeah i yeah yeah, and I think the thing that really works uh, for uh, this movie because it is, um, and you don't often see this with a lot of characters, but like you see her full journey, yes, sort of from start to finish. And with most characters, you that's not necessarily you see like some change in them, but for her, it's like you see like a full yes. journey over time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes it a lot more. Layered, I did like that. Interesting. Yeah, stuff like that. <clears throat> okay. So let's talk about this one. I am uh, very excited to talk about because uh, 
I've always had mixed feelings about this one. So let's talk about Margot Robbie in I, Tanya. So this is sort of like a biopic of Tanya Harding and the incidents that happened with Nancy Kerrigan. And I'm so gay that I don't have to look on IMDb because I know all of these (laughs) names and this Figure skating school. Well, I did not... Okay, so are you doing the synopsis thing? I guess guess, uh, folks know the... It, well, I mean, I feel yes, like... Yeah, the, like the true story about the figure skater who allegedly broke the competition's leg. Yeah, so it's uh, on IMDb. Competitive ice skater Tanya Harding rises amongst the ranks of the U.S. Figure Skating Championships, but her future in the activity is thrown into doubt when her ex-husband intervenes. Uh, but it actually wasn't her ex-husband. It was Jeff... It was the big guy. Gil- Galuti or Galuli, and he was the... Or, that is the husband. Or was it Sean, Sean Eckhart? Yes, okay. Sean that, Eckhart was the that's one the big guy. who hired a guy yes. to, like, whack her in the knee. Yeah. Did, she didn't break her knee, though, right? Well, it was... Uh, well, she couldn't perform. So that was the whole thing. But also, this story is being told by Tanya. Yeah. Or, sorry, by Margaret Robbie Tanya. Yeah, she's so, the sympathetic character. In so story. we don't know if... Tanya in real life actually did know that this was happening mm-hmm. or not. Of course, maybe she wants us to think, I had no idea, mm-hmm. right? This Sean guy went and broke a leg. Mm-hmm. What, there's even a line in the movie, what kind of a friend breaks her friend's knee? Right. Or Tanya did know the whole time, but is just denied till the day she dies. That I thought was kind of interesting, breaking the fourth wall, sort of talking. I like that. This being is the, like, I never did this. This is the director of Cruella, which is one of my favorite films of 2021 in Cruella. If oh, you I haven't seen that, that I'd, I'd recommend it. And I noticed with the music as well with Cruella, just this great rock hit, like techno-y thing. It was similar with I, Tanya, Like during that time, was it 1992? Uh, no, yeah. Eight, it was around Something there. It was yeah. all good music. And even when she was growing up, they had some 80s, uh, 70s music and stuff. So uh, it's great choices of music in the film. Margot Robbie, it's really funny because her character gets, um, like she wants the judges to look at her based on the skating. But the judges want like an all-American look. And yeah. when you think of Margot Robbie, there's no one that looks aesthetically more American I'm, sweetheart okay, let's, like thank you. <laughs> girl this, next door than Margot Robbie yeah. in history. So this was going to so, so th- yeah. I'm glad that you said this because this is this is the main reason why I am like excited to talk about this movie because Yes, Margot Robbie did a great job. There's obviously a reason that she was nominated for an Oscar. But this is, I'm sorry, a very yeah. miscast role. It was like... It's her version. She wasn't Charlize Theron in Monster. No. She, she was still beautiful, right? Too, still, too but, but like still white trashy because the mom would always be smoking at the... I disagree with you. Smoking at the rakes. No, but... I but, totally disagree with you. But she was trying to get that... I think there was like still like acne on her face and... I didn't buy it Big though. sweater. She She's made her own costume. Pretty. She was very pretty. She is this glamazon, tall, thin, one of the most beautiful women in the world. And she's supposed to be playing literally like, I'm not trying to be a bitch, but like Tanya Harding. Like, come on. It is. is Yeah. So when you do look at the photo of the real Tanya Harding, you're like, yeah, I think they exaggerated a little bit. Well, they exaggerated. I mean, she also was like um, five inches taller than Tanya Harding. The makeup room did their best with trying to make her white trashy. How she answered questions. Remember when she had the wig? It was like the short to demonstrate that she was younger. She had braces. Mm -hmm. And all you fucking see is Margot. She's too pretty. (laughs) She's way too pretty for the role. So I was thinking maybe not just the aesthetic, but also like the attitudes of like the clothes not matching everybody else's. The mom, of course, the Alice and Jenny mom, had a reputation of like smoking, calling the other parents the C word. Oh, you can say that. Um and all that so I think just where she was from and everything she wasn't like I'm from Aspen Colorado mm-hmm. you know like skating like it was like she is poor the mom was a waitress like used all her money to put to pay for skating so I think the judges again even though she's still pretty just the background of her and what she might say in interviews and stuff might. but it, it took me out of it like mm. it was too much of a Hollywood it was a distraction yeah. because it was basically like it it's an it's an incredible performance by Margot Robbie, certainly one of her best. But the thing is, is it's like I'm very aware that I'm watching Margot Robbie and her version of uh, where, for example, if I'm watching like Lady Bird, I don't think like oh like you're Hannah and like oh like you're yeah. uh, Ailish from Brooklyn. It's like I don't see that. But when I'm watching I Tanya, she even had like a little bit of um, what's the character there from Suicide Squad that she plays. Oh, um, Harley Quinn? It's like when she's taking off her makeup at the Olympics and she's like crying, she looks insane. Yeah. I'm only seeing Harley Quinn, Mm. you know? And it's like, I, I, 
it's again it's not that i think that she did a bad job she did a good job but it's certainly her version of this character Mm -hmm. to the point where i don't think that she was necessarily the right choice gotcha i just don't see tanya harding i see margot robbie playing a figure skater i don't see tanya harding yeah and maybe because me so i didn't know that story growing up like i don't um like i didn't know that olympic story and whatnot i just watched this movie blind similar to the post i didn't know that story in real life either Mm -hmm. um so i was like oh that's Tanya Harding, like, because I was able, I think, maybe to space it out, because you know maybe that character in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, like you know who Tanya Harding is in real life, and you I call know her what she looks like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're close. exactly. Uh, so you probably saw it, but me who went in blind, or maybe some other viewers who went in blind, not knowing any of the story, they might see it as like, okay, I I'm trying to just focus on on Tanya. Here. And and I understand yeah. that it's just that Tanya Harding, if you ever have seen her, like in the 80s and 90s, <laughs> she was very scrappy. Mm-hmm. And Margot Robbie is Margot fucking Robbie. Yeah. She looks like a supermodel. It's yeah. like, it just, it doesn't work for me. Gotcha. But specifically talking <laughs> yeah. about her performance. Wow. I have seen this movie before. I did not remember how violent it was. Yes. The husband abuse mm-hmm. hitting her. And she handles those scenes yeah. very well. Yeah. And I think that like as fucked up as it is to say, it's like what makes the performance so amazing is like all the abuse that she endures. From the mom too. And the way that she handles it. Yeah. Because she's not a victim. Well, she knows no different. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like she... she plays that very very well and you would think like if you're the best in the world second best in the world whatever she was ranked it's like i'm here at the top i get all these photographs all these autographs all these everything but the people that i love in my life the most my husband and my mom Mm -hmm. hit me and make me feel like absolutely shit nothing it's like what else can i do i do think they did a really great job at cutting between sort of her personal life her excuses and um, her sort of like not my fault moments. Yeah. And you as the audience member sort of gets to decide like what your opinion is because it's not black and white. Yeah. It's sort of like, hmm, like I can see that or uh, like, is that really the case? And I think the way of doing that was really smart because Mar- uh, Tanya Harding is really not supposed to be the sympathetic character in this case. It should be Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. Right? Because she's the victim. And actually, that's why she said she would never see this movie. Because she was so like... So the real I'm... Tanya said, I'm not watching it? No, Nancy Kerrigan okay, said that Nancy she would Kerrigan, never yeah. watch it. Because mm. she was like, I'm the victim. I'm the one who had my leg yeah. like bashed in. But like we're... It, it's supposed to be a sympathetic story for, yes. for Tanya Harding. But talking about before when you were mentioning about like... Um, with Meryl Streep and like uh, feminist storylines and things like that. This for Margot Robbie and like Itonia is perfect timing because this is the story of a woman who endured abuse her entire life where her situation is very circumstantial. Yes. And it's very interesting to see her as a sympathetic character when she was so villainized globally. Yeah. And you can think how many people are, are, um, like abuse like that who aren't the best skaters in the world. Mm-hmm. How there's just people, how there's women all over the like the states and stuff who just grew up with like the hatred from the mom or family members or husbands and stuff, but they're not in the spotlight, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah, I and think Margaret Robbie did. It, I think uh, there are moments where she's confronting the judges where mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, that's so unprofessional. But yeah. then again, like you understand yeah. why. If you're the best skater, like you're the best skater and the sport is called figure skating and it's about skating. And they're like, yeah, but you just don't look the way we like. It's mm-hmm. like, but you land every jump. Yeah. That would be so frustrating as a human because you're like, I'm doing everything right. What? Because of, because my mom smokes like cigarettes at the, like at the, at the ice rink, I'm yeah. <laughs> like that. Like that's why. But I feel like that there's politics in Olympic sports, and well, first of all, there's corruption through the Olympics, like crazy, right? It's, yeah. but like those sports that are just like if you win the race, you win, like track and field or it's swimming. Like it's yeah. like yes, it's, it hits. But like when there's judges involved, like gymnastics, figure skating, I think that equestrian one where the horses dance left and right. Right. Uh, there might be some bias there amongst the judges. Mm-hmm. And there's always been like a corrupt judge, like some Russian, I think, was like trying to damage the Canadians, I think, in the year 2000, oh, like probably. voting against. Yeah, that's always sort of happened. So 
Uh, because of that, you're not just doing it for skill. You have to also win and be likable to, to these five people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's like that with uh, any kind of industry. Yeah, like really. bodybuilding like, or yeah. anything. And stand-up comedy, this universe, it's like the people that they push onto television. It's yeah. like, well, it just depends on sort of like what the socio-cultural conversation is right now that we're going to be pushing yeah. forward. And, and not stuff. the funniest or something. Well, that's yeah, very not, subjective, Not always too. necessarily. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that is, I mean, they are usually funny, but you're right. It's not necessarily necessarily always the funniest person that gets pushed forward because that let's be honest like that's just a fact yeah um but i think that for me the best moment uh for her character was when she makes it to the olympics and you fully understand that the pressure of the moment and all of the eyes of the world are on her right now. Yeah. That's crippling. Mm -hmm. And you can see the way that she's having her anxiety attack and she breaks down and then she literally goes up to the judges and lifts up her leg and she's yeah. like, look, look, my skate is broken. Yeah. And it's like, I think that that was her, for me, like that was her Oscar moment. Yeah. Uh, Pretty real. Very, very, like you feel the anxiety, or maybe I just feel it because I'm a performer and I understand like the pressure of a moment like that, not like at the Olympics, but yeah. you know, performing in front of like thousands of people, for example. Yeah. It's like, I understand what that's like. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think that she really handled that scene very well. I think that was probably like her Oscar moment in my opinion. But again, um... When you're saying that the judges are like, oh, it's not necessarily about who skated the best. It's like you also were looking for that all-American wholesome girl. Yeah. Then suddenly I have a disconnect because it's like, like you said, it's like she's the girl next door. She is she's the most everything. wholesome. It's Margot fucking Robbie. Yeah, exactly. So I felt. That casting. That's exactly. what I was like. Yeah. I just, she did an amazing job. And I'm not saying she didn't. But in my opinion, I don't think that she was, ca I don't think she was right for the role. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they cast her. Especially when the judges say we're looking for American wholesome girl. Even in my head, it's like what I just said. Yeah, I yeah. said at the beginning. Like, Wait, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. the most beautiful woman in Hollywood. Yeah, object. It, 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 too much of a Hollywood treatment. Mm. Um, so a couple facts. So the triple axle uh, in this movie was actually done with the use of visual effects because the only people on earth who can Ooh. actually do that are training for the Olympics and they wouldn't risk doing it for the film. Ah, that's cool. So, um, there are only six women since Tanya Harding that could land a triple axle. Um, Allison Janney trained to be a figure skater at the age of 17 instead oh, nice. of wanting to be an actress. Wow. Uh, but then she had to stop because when she was 17, she walked into a sliding glass door and fucked up her leg so badly that she had to have it almost amputated. And uh, she lost... I hate when that happens. She lost a ton of blood. I think uh, she almost lost an artery. She cut a tendon and she <laughs> missed an entire year, her, her entire first year of college. Wow. So, walking into a door. Yeah, so... Um, Alice and Jenny should do Windex commercials. <laughs> That'd be really funny. Or, like, put those <clears throat> stickers for shadows for birds. Well, like, Ving Rhames' dog, like, killed, like, a mailman once, and now he does AT&T security commercials. Who, who, who? He's Ving Rhames. Who's he, that? Uh, he's the black guy in Mission Impossible. He's kind of butchy. He's in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I know, yeah. I, like, oh, I know yeah, if you look yeah, him yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his dog, like his Rottweiler, killed like a trespasser on his property. Oh my God. And it was allowed because it was like, this is my land, I guess, maybe kind of thing. And now he's in AT&T commercials. And people just think that's like funny because his dog killed someone on the property. Now he's in home security commercials. That's crazy. So Alice and Janney should be in Windex commercials. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah. Um, Wow. I mean, so, uh, I mean, I guess that uh, there's always a silver lining yeah. then, because Christ. Imagine an accident. Well, you didn't kill them, but like your animal, this is actions. Well, some state, yeah, some state in the States has like, if you're out of my prop, it might have been Texas maybe, but like, I can shoot you if you're on my property. I don't know who you are, mm -hmm. like with trespass. I don't know. So it was something like that. Okay. But so the next time that somebody, you know, enters my <laughs> house and I claim self-defense and kill somebody, I'll be like, sweet, book tour. Yeah. Um, okay, so the hair team for I, Tanya used beer to achieve the crunchy permed look. Yeah. And uh, Tanya Harding didn't actually say to the judges to suck her dick, but after seeing the movie, she thought that was so funny that she wished that she had. Oh, gotcha. Um, she doesn't speak. It's just through her actions, and you get yes. to know her by... And she's, like, she's very reactive as well, which is I think is a great performance. Like People neglect that when they look at acting. Oh, they're not just acting. They're reacting to people saying things, and they have to communicate with sign. And I like that... 
almost I don't want to say I, I like I forget if they used it for the Oscar moment but when she's signing very heavily in front of Richard Jenkins's character saying that yes. he doesn't see me as broken yeah uh, he sees me as me and she's saying like you need to help me you need to help me uh, rescue him from that lab and he won't do it at first but you can see the intensity because again like a regular like a non-mute character right I need to do this right now but right. her it's like you just like you feel her fists doing this signing and you see a tear, and you know how passionate uh, like, like she like is. It's like her yelling. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Without yelling. Yeah. Um, I think that... Um, so she... I, I also wrote that down as sort of like her, in my opinion, her Oscar moment. Mm-hmm. Because she's pleading with Richard Jenkins to help her. And she needs help getting Swamp Thing out of the yeah. laboratory, right? And she... Is was that your nickname in high school? <laughs> no, probably. <laughs> honestly, I was an emo kid. I had three different hair colors yeah. at once. Gotcha. So probably. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Swamp. But she literally is like, I need to get Swamp Thing out. And he's like, well, no, that's a top secret government facility. Like, I'm not going to do that. But the way that she sort of navigates through that scene and the way that she handles her reaction to the character and how she pleads with him, in my that was her best Yes. Acting because yes. you're not acting with your words, you're acting with your expressions mm-hmm. and with your hands and with yeah. your body language. And a lot of acting people say, Oh, it's what they say, it's how they carry their voice, like they're yelling here, they're quite. But her even communicating with this creature who doesn't talk, like it's not like the creature comes up, Hey, how are you? Mm. Right? She's communicating with these objects and signing what the word egg is, what the word eat is. And if we were there, what, how would we communicate with? something that doesn't even speak our language that's not from our world you would have to like demonstrate with charades mm-hmm. and i think sally did that quite well because now like, she can go to a time in her life where she met a creature and said oh this is relatable to me mm-hmm. like let me try this like she learned sign for this film like right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah 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 uh i think I thought it was funny whenever Swamp Thing ate the cat and it was so anticlimactic because you're like, oh my God, this is going to be like a big dramatic moment in the movie. And then uh, Richard, Richard Jenkins like is like, Oh, whatever. Like, yeah. And he has like 14 other cats. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was just kind of yeah. a, a nice kind of funny little moment. Um, yeah. I think that this is easily my favorite Sally Hawkins performance. She was also in the movie Spencer with um, Kristen Stewart. I haven't seen that one, the Princess Diana film. I haven't seen that. I heard it's great. It, listen. Oh, boy. I, I am not the hugest K-Stew fan because of the, st- the stuttering, but... This movie, like, if she does not get an Oscar nomination, it's politics. Sally? Uh, no. Um, Stewart? Stewart. Oh, Stewart's the favorite to win. S- Sally Hawkins is in... Uh, Spencer. Yeah, and if she got, like, a supporting, yeah, supporting. nomination, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised either. And the villain in the in Shape of Water, Michael Shannon, he plays villain very well. <laughs> very well. And it's actually funny. So he's a character actor. He's in a lot of things. And when I was uh, talking about this podcast to a couple clients of mine who because I'm a personal trainer, I trained them in a hotel slash resident. And I was mentioning The Shape of Water, and they said, oh, he was working out here in the gym around that time when he was filming this movie in Toronto. Mm. And he was super grumpy. <laughs> and he just like walked around. And I'm thinking, I wonder if he tried to stay in character, because a lot of these method guys and character actors, right. they live their roles outside of there. Yeah. So maybe he's just like such a genuine guy, a nice guy and teddy bear in real life. But when he was getting ready to play this security guard named Strickland, who is its dominant man, he was even angry at this gym where uh, right. where my clients live, which I think is funny. Right. Yeah. He apparently, whenever they had one best picture, was like sitting in some bar in like <laughs> middle America and the bartender was like, uh, and they like, took a photo with him and yeah. of him. And apparently Michael Shannon just was like, Cool. Yeah, <laughs> he just well, good for that. And he's this character. He likes to dominate everything that he does. So he even forms an infatuation with Sally Hawkins' character because she's mute and he can control that. Even during uh, Michael Shannon's character during sex with his wife, he puts his hand over her mouth so that he's in control. Ew, with the bloody yeah, fucking bandages in her mouth. And he and he and he he goes to buy this like new Cadillac, '60s Cadillac, and the sales guy says, "You know, four out of five men who are successful drive this kind of car." And then he's got it right away. Like he. He's trying to be in control all the time. So that's why he takes it a lot personally when they steal the Swamp Thing from the lab just because it got under his nose. I think he's just more mad that something got past him and he wasn't in control in that moment. That's why he has to go out, kill some people, got a gun. Yeah. I love the way that Swamp Thing at the end like just 
kills him with just like a swoop to swoop the of his throat just, good oh. bleeding <laughs> and uh in all these movies that guillermo del toro grew up in the monster always loses or dies yeah. like king kong and the empire state building and all that but uh with this he got the monster to live and they they end up together now do you think that she died because no. she gets shot and then they're just underwater hugging and then it cuts to black no, he he is, heals her. Oh, yeah, he's he, like he has like a healing power. God creature. I mean, listen, Sally Hawkins. Of all the characters, this one is my favorite character of yeah. all the nominees. But really, the acting is through her intensity of signing. Yes, and there isn't really a big arc for her character necessarily because you can tell at the beginning she's very lonely and she's kind of an odd duck. And then she finds someone else that she perceives as an equal in terms of odd and being lonely. Yes. And then she's like, okay. And then she connects with them. You don't, it, like, for example, with, like, Lady Bird, where it's like you kind of see, like, a beginning yes, and an end. Yes, there's a growth. With Sally Hawkins, it's like she was kind of just a constant. Yeah. And um, her character, the differences was just sort of the intensity of the moment. So, um, obviously, it's a different character. It's a different role. Uh, but that is obviously something to sort of consider whenever they're trying to pick, like, who do we think should have won, right? Mm-hmm. And um, this is my favorite Sally Hawkins performance, and I will definitely watch this movie again. And if you haven't seen it, see, if you haven't seen it, uh, do yourself a favor and check it out. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you would like to add to Sally Hawkins's performance before we? Uh, no, I just I do really like though that uh, when Michael Shannon is interviewing everybody. And so, and like when the fish man goes missing, and saying, he goes, "Why am I interviewing the fucking help? Like they don't do anything." And he, she stands up and just starts signing F U C K Y O U. And then he's like, "What did she say? What did she say?" And Octavia Spencer's like, "Oh, uh, she said thank you, thank you." It's <laughs> <laughs> just like F U C. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That I didn't know that. That's what she was oh, saying. Oh yeah. F U. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about our winner. So, <laughs> Frances McDormand for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So, listen, Frances McDormand playing like <laughs> a tough guy from like Middle America or the middle of nowhere. No one can do it better than Frances. No, McDormand. even that movie North Country with Charlie Theron, where she's exactly. in a mine. She's in a mine, or this exactly. one Nomad Land, that half documentary where she poos yeah, in a bucket. Absolutely, Frances McDormand. And how can I be unattractive? Well, you know, I've never really seen her in uh, off the top of my head. I know that she has played very feminine, matronly type of roles. But, like, the roles that stand out to me, uh, and I think that where she shines the brightest is when she plays roles like this. This yes. sort of grizzled, mm-hmm. uh, tough guy, tough yeah. girl, tough woman kind of characters. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that... Okay, so the story... Uh, yeah, are we doing the... Oh, yeah. So are we doing the IMDb? Let's do an IMDb one because it's I... It's not ours? Yeah. yeah no, let's let's go ahead and do an, an IMDb. A, a grieving mother of a raped victim daughter. Oh, you've, you've already got it started. So, yes, <laughs> a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder uh, when they fail to catch the culprit, and then um, she pays for three billboards that are close to her house that are basically like calling out the police in the most obnoxious way, yes. and everyone's like... What and, the and half the town is on her side saying like, yes, why didn't they find uh, your daughter's rapist killer the other half is saying no take him down um it's inappropriate but yeah this movie so with me with this film it was like a saturday back in 2017 and it's like 10 30 in the morning and i'm just watching some youtubers talk about their top 10 movies and one of them says their favorite movie is three billboards and it's the director of of in bruges which is another funny movie mm. and i went huh so i just watched the trailer and it's a red band trailer the trailer that has all the swearing you know how like some like how they release a trailer that's like pg and then a rated r trailer mm. so then i watched this trailer sent it to my brother my brother's like there's a a 12 30 show downtown toronto if you want to go so from the 10 30 a.m finding out what this movie was to two hours later i'm sitting in the theater watching it because i had no idea what it was i it's still one of my favorite movies of that year like i i love that film it's and it's it's funny it is it's it's funny because like the golden globes is always putting these weird movies up for best comedy but like three billboards was best drama when there's so many funny moments and i find that the writing and directing like there's such a comedy funny back and forth between characters of like these dumb middle america cops Mm -hmm. and then just like a boom flick to wow that was kind of serious wow should i be laughing right now and the audience as an audience member you're like whoa yeah now there's a lot of different like themes going on you have themes of racism you have themes of sexism you have themes of like police brutality you have themes of homophobia for some reason i don't 
they didn't really get too much into that, but apparently uh, Sam Rockwell's character like, like, there's might like be gay. shaming a little person. Peter Dinklage shows up in this movie. Uh, like, yes. Yeah, like I love Peter Dinklage in anything, so good. I was I always forget that he's in this. Um, I've he looks this. like Chris Pine. <laughs> he actually kind of does. Yeah, I'm kinda like, kinda is does. that Chris Pine? No. Uh, yeah. Chris, maybe like Chris Pine's dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, okay, so Frances McDormand's character, you know, she's just kind of this, I don't give a fuck, and she will not cave for her principles. Like whenever Woody Harrelson, who was the head of the police department at the time, who's on the case, is like, well, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I'm dying of cancer. And she's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. She's like, my daughter is dead. And it's like, I love the way that she never compromises her integrity or her principles, because then you think, okay... Uh, the way that they present her character, it's like, oh, she's just a bitch because yeah. that's how all the characters treat her. Yeah. But then whenever Woody Harrelson like fucking sneeze spits blood out well, of her Well, that face, was one of those scenes I was talking about where it's kind of humorous going back and forth and all of a sudden it's just like a, <clears throat> like a cough serious. and there's blood and you're like, whoa, there's a switch. Caring, yes, calls an ambulance soft. right away. And it's um, you kind of get from Woody Harrelson's perspective because as a parent, having a kid raped or murdered or anything must is you know awful atrocious and from Woody Harrelson's perspective like the blood from the scene didn't match any blood in the whole state right or no maybe someone was passing like he did everything he could and so you kind of feel for the police too like we sometimes we don't know and then maybe in the future you'll overhear someone bragging about yeah. it and you'll get them yeah right so it's tough because then as a parent though you still of course think no, they didn't do enough. Yeah. Right? So I was watching it as an audience. You're like, well, there's no, they're right, he's right, she's right. But you see from each side why, like, where each of them are coming from. I feel like one of my favorite moments, the way that they kind of reveal her character and, like, what she stands for is the way that they present, uh, she's presented with different figures of authority. Like, whenever mm -hmm. the priest comes to the house... Well, that was a great scene. She says, like, why like, don't you finish up your tea there, father, and get the fuck out of my kitchen? And <laughs> yeah. then she starts talking about how he was uh, uh, tied into an institution that, like, fucks kids. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, yeah. food for thought. Get the fuck out of my kitchen. Yeah. Bye. Exactly. Because the priest is just so used to everybody caving. And there's so Ooh. many quotable moments, like him walking, her walking into a police station looking at a cop and saying hey fuckhead yeah. he's like what and the other cop's like <laughs> don't, don't say <laughs> don't say what when she calls you a fuckhead yeah. and then sam rockwell plays a racist cop and a lot of people's issues and i wasn't sure about how i felt either like like the n-word is, is used a little bit in this movie and i don't like sympathizing with racists in movies right, right. And, but and i think the movie maybe tried to get us to sympathize with this racist cop who admitted to torturing people of color mm -hmm. and then he has an arc reading Woody Harrelson's letter who commits suicide and he now wants to work on the case and try a little harder. Mm. But I think it's still up to the audience to be like, yeah, but do we actually still like this guy? Like, I know he's now sort of doing the right thing on the case, but yeah. is he still a good person? Like, he, as soon as Woody Harrelson commits suicide, he throws the guy who works at the company that made the billboards out a window and puts him in a hospital. But I mean, that's, and, but that's what makes mm -hmm. the movie so interesting because all of the characters are garbage. Mm -hmm. I mean, Frances yeah. McDormand is garbage. She literally yeah. took like a drill and was like drilling into the dentist. She yeah. literally fucking blew up a police station. Yeah. Like, she's well, she a thought garbage the, person. She thought the police station burned down the billboards, which you find out was her ex-husband who was also very abusive to her. Mm. And we find out just through this dialogue through the movie, like... Oh yeah, it was hard for me to like focus on you kids when my husband wasn't beating the shit out of me and and all that. Now she didn't react whenever. Um, oh, what's his name? Again? John Hawks. John Hawks. I was like Ethan Hawke. Whenever John Hawks, you know, like comes at her and grabs flips the, the table, and then her son grabs the yeah. knife and comes behind. And, and I think she that didn't react. I think that because she's she's been there so many times. Exactly. Yeah. That it is just like, what's the point of like? Of fighting this off because I'm I am used to this, which is which is sad. It is, and I and and at the end I do like when Sam Rockwell's character and Francis McDormand find out about a rape that happened in another state. Mm -hmm. Again, the town hates both of them. Um, they don't really have much going for them in the town. Right. So, but they both have this motivation at the beginning of the film. They were sort of enemies going back and forth, but now they both have a motivation of some guy in another state that we know of raped someone. Yeah, let's go get him. And, and do they find that guy? Do they go kill him? Who knows? We don't know. Yeah, I it's ambiguous. I don't love endings like that. No, like Coen Brother endings? Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, yeah. But, uh, 
Okay, so speaking of the Coen brothers, so uh, Joel Coen, her husband, actually convinced Frances McDormand to take the role when she said that she didn't want to because she felt from a socioeconomic point that the character would not wait until 38 to have her first child living in like small town America. So she was like, this is not believable. I didn't put that together. And then Joel Cohen was literally like, just take the fucking role. Yeah. And then she won an Oscar. Yeah, she did. I think that this is one of the, like, I know the best screenplay that year went to Get Out, Jordan Peele, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that if Martin McDonough, who made uh, Three Billboards, didn't have an Oscar already for uh, a short film that he did right. a few years ago, mm-hmm. um, they would give it to this film because I think the script as an original it's screenplay incredible. is brilliant. Yeah. And I don't think the Oscars are like, oh, we're going woke with a black writer for horror movies. I think that, I think just Martin McDonough already had one. And the Oscars always look at that stuff like, oh, you know, like they've won before. Let's give it to, to something else. But I think that if the director had won, this script definitely would have. Uh, definitely would have won best original screenplay that year well so he martin mcdonough was inspired to write this movie after seeing billboards um about unsolved crime while traveling through the south mm-hmm. i think it said florida and he's from england which is great because like he got the dialogue right how everybody talks there mm-hmm. he like someone from not even from middle america in well Missouri. sam rockwell was actually very, a big help with that because he was studying with his linguist coach coach how to speak like that specific sort of twang that they're talking in. But then what he does is he finds real people Mm -hmm. in that region and then he kind of just learns their dialect and then he took a lot of their words and brought them to uh, Martin McDonough to Mm -hmm. apply to the script. And And he's the perfect dumb middle America cop. (laughs) Just like when you think of like, and even his mom, like this guy lives with his mom. He's like, yeah, I was a cop for two years and the mom's like, well, plus the other five of the academy. And then you're thinking like, the academy of police is like six months. This guy was like, Training to be a cop for five years. Um, yeah. Apparently, somebody stole Francis McDormand's Oscar. Yes, like I remember that. that. Night, but I then remember. they got it back the day after. I remember that morning. guy. He made like an Instagram live, and he like took it and like was running around from a table at the after party, like look, I got it. And I'm then an I see on the news the next day, yeah, they recovered it in a second. <laughs> <laughs> like, where was he going? Uh, the bandana that she is wearing is an homage to the Deer Hunter, Ooh. and uh, the movie that. Sam Rockwell's mother is watching is actually a den- don't say no uh, don't yeah, speak no uh, don't look now yes it's a Donald I, Sutherland film yes. whose character also is driven by the guilt and grief of yes that's that's daughter. a movie I recommend that because as soon as uh, the mom's like I watched the Donald Sutherland movie where his daughter dies I'm like oh don't look now oh there you go yeah um, okay I think mm, I think that uh, my favorite one from Peter Dinklage is when he's like you know, I didn't have to come and hold, hold your, your ladder. La- hold your ladder. And, oh, I love it. Um, yeah, so I recommend this movie, folks, if you haven't seen it. It's comedic. Um, again, if, um, yeah, how Kyle and I talked about it, how we both like it. Um, if it fits what you do kind of like to watch, I recommend it. Uh, yeah, Frances McDormand, she, another thing I noticed upon rewatching this for the podcast, it's, when she's driving and just sees the billboards that are all kind of broken with no ads on it, she's wearing like a corduroy coat with like nice hair and it's down and she looks put together. Mm. But the second she walks in and buys those billboards, it's like coveralls, like Michael Myers, the killer like with her hair up. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it just didn't change. Like she's even on a date with uh, Peter Dinklage, the little guy. And she's in the same clothing too. She looks like one of the Marines from aliens. Yeah. She's like she going does. in with those yeah. guns. Yeah. Um, so I think two of my favorite moments is when she's having the conversation with the deer because she's like, I refuse to accept that you're some sort of an incarnation of my yeah. daughter. But she does speak to the and deer. That was her, was. That, and that was her Oscar moment. So yeah. I was like, CGI deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was a really, really nice moment, the way that she um, handled that scene, as well as whenever Sam Rockwell calls her with her hopes up that maybe he may have found yes. the killer with the DNA. Yes. And then she has to be disappointed with it, but also be like, this is the most False hope, hope I've had False exactly hope. Yeah. in so long. So she was grateful for that. Um, I think that of all the nominees, I think that she's probably the most interesting character. I think Sally Hawkins was probably my favorite, but I think that she was probably the most interesting mm-hmm. character. Um, but all of this to say, um, I think that the time has come. Ooh. For us to select uh, who we think the Oscar should have gone to. Should have gone so to. So you are my guest. So you can go first. All right. So my name is Rob Brown, and I think the Oscar should have gone to... 
Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Adding, Missouri. Awesome. She is the winner, and I think that of, out of all those, uh, the four other nominees, all of them great, I think Frances, again, this is Frances McDormand we're talking about here, Frances McDormand stole the show. Like, every movie I saw that year, I'm like, Frances McDormand has this. Like, she's great. Um, I recommend seeing the movie. Her performance is a lot better than the one that she did in Nomadland. Uh, but yeah, my pick is three billboards. Okay, fuck. Now I'm like really. Convinced. Why does my answer always change your answer? <laughs> because you and I do different ones. I think every time. Every I think this time. is our fourth episode together. And um, if you think it's her, you might think it's her. But I want you to go with your heart. Okay. Um, I think that the Oscar should have gone to. Frances McDormand for three billboards. Nah. So, listen, Sally Hawkins is like hard second and like kind of my choice. But if you're just talking about the performance and like the like overall, yeah. I just think that it, it's Frances McDormand. I think there was more to her character. And a great script. And a great, absolutely. Yeah. But I yeah. think that there was more to Frances McDormand. You see her before she becomes a grizzled lady, yep. aliens, marine shooter. Yep. You you see uh, how she reacts empathetically whenever she's supposed to be sort of the tough lady but then like something happens where Woody Harrelson spits blood on her and then she yeah. immediately is like oh my god and she takes care of him you see a huge range in her character where maybe the other uh, nominees this year didn't yeah. really have that range but I will say that Sally Hawkins is kind of my favorite and if she would have won I wouldn't be angry at mm-hmm. it but yeah I mean it makes sense that Frances McDormand won yeah and she like she stole yeah like she stole the show I was going to say as well, just one more thing about um, about Three Billboards. The movie starts off with classical music. She's driving. It's a well-lit film. She's outside. You're not sure which, let's say, what kind of movie this is going to be. Walks into this billboard office. So how much do these cost? Oh, it's this much. Okay. Are there any restrictions about what you can and can't put on? Well, I assume you can't put fuck shit, piss, or cunt, right? And then you're like, whoa, okay, what kind of movie am I about to watch? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is different. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Kyle, well, thank you. Yes. That was great. I I loved rewatching all those, especially like the post. Um, You know, I I might not give that a third third chance down the road just because it's about journalism. (laughs) Uh, But I do appreciate watching it the second time and revisiting all those other ones. And, yeah, thanks again for having me on. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back. Where can people find you on social media? So Rob Brown, my last name has an E at the end, B-R-O-W-N-E. So Rob Brown, then the number 25 on Instagram. There we go. Rob Brown okay. 25. Well, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. All right, thank you.